Hello and welcome. I'm Jonathan Beale, and this is the ASB Investment Podcast, a show that keeps you up to date on the market and helps you make smart choices with your investments. Today, I'm chatting to Mairead Needham and John Smith from ASB about an exciting development, ASB's new Positive Impact Fund, a groundbreaking fund with a preference for investments that make a positive impact on society or the environment. We'll talk about why we created the fund and share some of the positive stories coming from some of the companies. And of course, we'll let you know how you can invest in it. Let's start with the boring legal bit. ASB Group Investments Limited is the issuer of the ASB KiwiSaver Scheme and ASB Investment Funds. For more information, see the ASB KiwiSaver Scheme or ASB Investment Funds product disclosure statements available on ASB's website. These are entirely our own views. It's not investment advice, but we know plenty of experts at ASB that will be happy to chat if you need. So welcome to uh, the podcast booth, uh, John and Mairead. Great to have you here uh, today. Now, John, you've been here once before, once I think. Before, yeah. and I think. What were you talking about last time you were, you were here? Uh, active and passive. Active and passive, yeah. yeah. And how did you, how did you find the, uh, the experience of sitting in the booth? Well, it, it wasn't something I was I was looking forward to, given my my nature. But um, but yeah, no, I think it was it was actually a good experience. Yeah, I thought you did really well, and, yeah. the, and the the feedback we got was uh, really good. So oh, I think you did you. A, did a great job. So Ray, this is sort of uh, this is the third time you've been uh, in the in the podcast, and people will, will remember you from. Uh, this little town outside of Dublin called... Oh, uh, well outside Ma- Dublin. Well like outside Dublin, outside sorry. Mayo. Called, yeah. called Mayo. Mayo. And yeah. the fact that you love your job as well, which... Uh, oh, yeah, which I'm reminded of nearly weekly from someone around the office. I don't know if I told you that um, I was down in Hawke's Bay um, um, meeting some uh, some customers, which was which was great. But I went into the branch in um, Havelock North. And uh, I was talking to the uh, personal banker there, and I said well, I was talking about the podcast, and I said I, I did one with Maraid, and uh, he goes, "Oh, Maraid, that sounds like a like an Irish name. Where's that?" And I said, "Oh, yes, she's from this small place outside of Dublin called uh, Mayo." And he goes, "Oh, I've been there." I was like, "This is ridiculous. I've never heard of Mayo, and now all these people that I'm meeting are from <laughs> was Mayo." He, was he a New Zealander? He no, he's not a New Zealander. Actually, I think he's moved from India to oh, New, and New Zealand, Mayo. and oh. he's got a, re- a distant relative who lives in Mayo. Oh, wow. you, you probably know them. Oh, I probably do. Well, <laughs> I'm surprised. You know, I, when you started down this path, that it wasn't. Do you know such and such? Yeah, yeah, no, exactly. Because they're from Ireland, exactly. so we must know each other. Now, just before we get started, get talking about the ASB Positive Impact Fund. I think it might be helpful for the listeners to sort of understand a little bit about what John and Murray do. So, maybe John, maybe give us a very brief uh, uh, discussion about what does John Smith do at ASB and what's your role and responsibilities. Yeah, so my job is, um, I'm, my, my title is Head of Asset Management. My, my responsibilities are, um, first and foremost, to produce some great investment outcomes, great investment returns for our customers. So I do, yeah, that's my focus uh, on, on mostly on a day-to-day basis. But I think I have another responsibility, which is product development and product management. And so, so I can both, in both senses, this, um, this development of this fund uh, is something that, that is, fits with my role and I'm very passionate about. Great, wonderful. And Mairead, you work with John and uh, tell us a little bit about yeah. uh, what, what you do and what you're responsible for. So I'm a senior investment analyst with an investment strategy team. Um, uh, my day-to-day role is, uh, so these great investment outcomes that John talked about, ensuring that, you know, I'm analysing how did we dev- how did we come to these great investment outcomes? Did the decisions we made 
come off as we planned. Um, but then another aspect to my role is investment manager selection, implementation and monitoring, which um, it'll become clear later when my input in this podcast as to how that Great. plays out. Great. Well, it sounds like I've got the perfect two people to talk about the new ASB Investment uh, Impact Fund. Uh, so before we start maybe talking about the fund, maybe let's maybe go back in time a little bit, John, and maybe a couple of years and start talking about what happened. I think it was in 2016, wasn't it? Yeah, 2016, yeah. Yeah, do you want to start talking about what was happening then and, and how we've moved and what the journey's been like? So back in 2016, I think um, uh, the idea of responsible investing became a real topic uh, and, and came to the forefront of New Zealanders' minds because there was a big media um, story about uh, New Zealand fund managers investing in controversial weapons companies, so companies that were investing in cluster munitions, um, nuclear weapons, um, uh, anti-personnel mines, and things like that. And and you know it, what it, what it did is put in front of people's minds the fact that these sorts of investments were being made, and you know challenged them to say, well, actually, am I comfortable that? the money that I'm giving to our investment managers, our fund managers, actually be investing this way. Um, and the, the the social media storm that came with that and all of the scrutiny that came from that, we we took all that on board and um, we, we learned a number of things from that. And while we had to go through a particular process in relation to those investments, I think the broader issue was that, uh, you know, it's it's something that that is quite, that a lot of New Zealanders are very passionate about. And so we started a process from that point onwards, which was really understanding the concept of um, responsible investing, because at that point, it was really about focused upon what you shouldn't be investing in. And that's a, that's one side of a story. But if you don't invest in a whole bunch of things, then it sort of like challenges the other side of the story, which is about getting great investment returns. And if you don't invest in a whole lot of stuff, because you really don't like it, um, then actually, is that going to is that going to limit your ability to get a great investment return? That's the sort of challenge. And then, what is our true responsibility? Is it to get a great investment return? Is it our job actually to make choices for our customers um, and and stop investing in things which some people may not agree with? And I, uh, it's like a, I think about conversation we had with with Mareda on this particular point where. I think you challenged us at some point about should, why should why should we make a decision not to invest in something? So maybe you give us your perspective on that, Mairead. Yeah, so, you know, we all make decisions in our own life, um, how we live it. So, like, I choose not to smoke, um, but, you know, I do drink alcohol and some things are more important to other people. Um, so having you or an organisation dictate to me like things that are, are right or wrong I, w- I felt kind of well you know I make decisions in my own life and my investments I trust that they're going to work for me in, in, and do like work hard for me so having I just struggled with that conversation in terms of well across the core funds how far do you go and you, it's hard to please everybody and everybody has different passions and different views mm. and I think you're right John you've got to come back to actually what's the fundamental role of an investment manager or a custodian of people's money is to actually give them the investment performance that they that they want and to be able to do that you need to be invested in a wide variety of, of investments yeah so, so you get this immediate challenge which is that you want to get a great investment return to do that you want to have as, 
you know, you want to basically have as wide an investment universe as possible. As soon as you start thinking about not investing in things, then you're narrowing that investment universe and you're narrowing your opportunities to get that great investment return. And then you think about that in terms of the way that Mairead's um, uh, expressed it, which is well, what's our role in deciding those things for our customers? So then you say, okay, what are our customers saying? And, and and so we do survey our customers and, and there are some relatively strong views, um, but they're not, they're, not, they're not vast majorities. I mean, they're strong views, uh, and, but, but, you know, so how do, we, how do we actually reflect those views? And I suppose, and is it appropriate that we put our own views over the top of that? So that was one part of it. Um, the other thing that came out of that, that, that exercise in, in 2016 was that customers were surprised at what they were investing in. And so this concept of transparency and and, and knowing what they're invested in became really, really important. And so uh, I think one of the one of the things that we've developed since um, 2016 is this this tool whereby people can actually you know see, use transparency, that we are transparent about what, what our customers are invested in. So that was one of the one of the elements of the way that we we approached it. We also look at in, a, in a, an overall responsible investing perspective. There is the there is an element which is if you if you if you still invest in a company, you can still you you can still influence them, right? So one of the one of the challenges about not investing in a company is that you no longer have any influence because you don't own, own the shares, you can't vote, you can't influence them in any way. So if you are invested in a company, then you have rights to vote, and you actually can influence the decisions of the company. And I think that's by a really good. Voting. That's a really good point, John, because we've talked about it before around with with uh, Chris Tanner Brown around the Facebook example recently, mm-hmm. and you know, uh, an investor in that organisation, and actually, and lots of people invested in that organisation. But the weight of the fund managers getting together with the you know, sort of started by mm-hmm. the um, superannuated super fund actually has a very, very loud voice and actually can get things changed and people to you know, make some decisions. If you don't invest in that company, then you don't really have too much of a say, do you? No, no, you don't. And, and what's more, it may actually be a great investment and it may be that you know, some very, very large companies actually have some very small portions of what they do, which is, which is something you don't agree with. And so do you, you just like, do you cut your nose off to spite your face? Do you actually not invest in that company and all the good things that it might be doing for this little thing that it may not be? Should you is it maybe better to engage with the company and, and try and influence them in relation to that small portion? So that's an element of our responsible investing as well. Yeah, I think you're dead right. The transparency thing, I think, was probably the biggest learning from that experience. Um, um, that people, you know, what do I, what am I investing in and giving people that sort of uh, visibility? But also the other thing was around then uh, options and choice, which I suppose is what's led us to developing this new uh, this new product. Um, and before we sort of bring Mairead into about actually the selection process and how we put that product together, um, John, you and I were lucky enough to go overseas well, 18 months or so ago to start, look globally at what um, people in the, in the US and UK were doing around responsible investing. Do you want to sort of share with people a little bit of the, the learnings we got from that and which helped us with the product development? Yeah, so so um, I think that what we learned is that the, the 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 standard approach, which is to not invest in companies, so exclusions, uh, is is um is, is fairly well established, but 
but it's not sort of like the leading edge. The leading edge of of responsible investing. Um, so you go through you go through a, a, a part of it, which is uh, companies are assessed on their environmental, social, and governance attributes, and they're scored, and then you can use those scores to um, to weight your portfolios just to, to particular at, at attributes. But at the forefront of of this responsible investing um, regime is is a thing called impact investing, and so impact investing is is where you're actually picking a company that is actually a company that's looking to make make a financial return. So it's not a charity or a trust that may be looking to um, to make water clean in Africa, and 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 they're actually not making a return out of that. That's just a social good project. But in actual fact, these companies might be uh, are looking to make a financial return, so make a business out of doing things which are good from a social um, perspective or from an environmental perspective, such as, and maybe from a social perspective, it might be cheaper housing or something like that. And Maraid will talk uh, a, a little bit more about some of the examples of impact investing, but it, this impacting investing is the is the is the real leading edge in terms of responsible investing. And when we so so that was a real learning because that wasn't something that we'd been hearing about coming in the New Zealand environment. Uh, as it turns out, there is actually quite some activity in this market, but it wasn't a, an investment theme. So that was something that we learned from from going overseas and getting this international research. And so when we came back. Uh, and we thought about this dynamic which I've discussed, which is should we be making choices for customers or should we give them choices to make? That was ultimately where this fund came from. It was uh, we actually want to give people choices. If they don't agree with our view, which is which is about getting the best investment return, they actually are willing to, to place um, their desire to support social and environmental matters ahead of returns, or at least and on par with returns, then um, then we should create them a, a, a fund to do that. And so um, the concept of impact investing fits really, really well with that. Because if you actually invest in companies that are making a positive environment or social, so, environmental and social impact, then inherently you're not investing in companies that are doing bad stuff anyway. So you can get the best of both worlds. Uh, and and so that was that was the genesis of of this fund, which we think is is very exciting because it's actually positive. It's, I mean, it's a really positive thing to be doing, uh, rather than sort of a bit of a negative approach, which is just just to starve companies of capital. Yeah, you. and I was trying to think of a similarity. It's a bit like sort of positive feedback or positive reinforcement of let's not stop focusing on the negatives. What are all the good things that you are doing? And that's pretty much what impact investing is about, is selecting companies that are trying to do something differently, trying to do it in a positive way. And, and I think this is the sort of misconception, um, still want to make a profit and still want to provide an investment return to the, to the people who invest in that business. Correct. Yeah, absolutely. And so um, so we, we came up with this this fund concept and and uh, so then, then we um, we gave a challenge to Maraid, who uh, who, uh, who we said, okay, so this is this this is the concept of this fund. So, can you put together an investment strategy and and, and to to actually deliver on this? Mm. And so, Maraid, maybe you can talk about how you worked in, worked on that. Yep, yep. Um, so you gave me the concept and the views of the customer, what they were looking for, and also the objective of what the fund should aim to do. So deliver moderate to high returns and not include in, uh, not invest in a range of things like tobacco, alcohol, gambling, adult entertainment, that kind of stuff. So um, once I had that key criteria, I could then go out and look at the market. What kind of funds can we invest in? So um, we engaged our consultant house um 
Mercer, who are based locally but have global offices and are highly regarded around the world, to help us with, well, what are our options? What funds are there available locally, but also on an international scale that we could invest in? And also we have an in-house database with thousands of funds in there. So we have we had lots of resources um, and availability of um, looking at uh, where we could invest. And uh, from looking at that, it became quite clear that the New Zealand investor was quite um, forward thinking in terms of what they wanted and their passions. And there was two funds available within the New Zealand market. Um, one of them managed and invest, uh, managed by Mercer themselves and another one managed by Vanguard, who also have um, a presence in New Zealand and are highly regarded. In looking at those two funds, we decided to invest 60% with the Mercer fund and that's within, that's in equity markets, so growth assets. And what I mean by that is stocks and shares of companies around the world. And then on the other side, the 40% goes into bonds, um, again, on a global scale. And whilst we would like to invest on a local basis and support New Zealand projects and Australasian projects, we found that um, the market is still pretty small here. It's developing, but we are in ongoing chats to local providers and local investment managers in terms of what they can do for us in the future. It's also important to maybe mention about the why, the growth and the income split. So Mm -hmm. you still want to provide a sort of diversified portfolio. Do you want to explain that a little bit more? Yeah, so um, our objective is to deliver moderate to high returns and we want to give as much diversification as possible to the investor. So by giving them 60% to growth assets, the aim is to... um, diversify across lots of different securities. In this case, there's about 800 securities around the world that we invest in. And then on the bond side, um, that 40%, there's about 1,500 securities within that portfolio. So overall, um, there's a lot of diversification across over 2,000 securities. Another aspect to to the selection of um, the 60-40 mix of growth and, uh, and, and income assets is that um, Across the suite of um, KiwiSaver and, and investment funds, funds, that's equivalent to a balanced fund, and and uh, and we we wanted to create a fund that was was going to be um, appropriate for a wide range of people. So while um, we find that that there is a is a, a, a really attractive audience that's really attracted to this is the millennials, um, and they would typically be invested in a growth fund. Uh, there are still plenty of people who are more of my age, or more more closer to retirement, uh, that that also have not passion. that close, not that close, <laughs> no, no, not that close, no. But um, that that are also quite passionate about this. So we we needed to, to find a fund that would 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 suit a wide range of people. So we we picked a balanced profile, and uh, and 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 essentially that was the thing that drove the the sort of like the allocation of sixty percent growth assets to forty percent income assets. I think it's important though because you can you can if you look globally, some of the funds actually are quite high concentration, smaller number of companies, which are going to be quite volatile and quite risky, and which isn't probably going to appeal to a um, a wide selection of customers. So I think a balanced approach is probably a much more prudent way of doing it. Mm-hmm. I think maybe in the future we might find if it's uh, um, there's a big appetite for these types of funds that you potentially could have different risk profiles for the different types of uh, different types of funds. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So you've built. So you've used Mercer to help you select. We used our database. We've ended up with two sort of uh, globally recognised uh, names like Mercer yep. and um, and Vanguard. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's the fund. And so maybe I think the thing I love so much about this fund is maybe the stories or the types of companies that um, 
they're actually investing in. Do you want to maybe bring the fund to life a little bit and tell us a little bit about maybe some of the companies that the fund does invest in? Yeah. So, well, as a base, um, every fund has to conform to specific ESG. So that's environmental, social and governance um, criteria. And then with we, the investment managers take it a step further and they actively go out and seek companies that do that have a majority of their business activities or their revenues um, from activities that generate a positive social impact or a positive environmental impact. And like um, that's where it really got interesting for me in terms of the stories. So, for example, in Bangladesh, there's a company that's that we invest in that um, it's called Grameen Phone, which um, they support women in small rural communities to in employment. So these women can go out and sell the services and the data of this company and they, these people may not have any other employment opportunities. And the company seeks to have 99% coverage of the rural Bangladeshi um, service wow. in, within mobile and mm. internet. So it's yeah. really interesting, yeah. the, the stories there and how they actually... They generate revenue and your money is still working really hard for you and you're getting a return on your investment and you can um, just just benefit from actually that warm feeling of yeah. my money is actually doing something good for someone around the world. Yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting, I suppose, that when that company thinks about it, they're thinking they're probably starting maybe differently. They're starting with uh, how do I make the social impact? Hmm. And that's first. And secondary is actually, I'm still going to make some money yeah. out of this, yeah. Which is sort of a very maybe a different approach that maybe a Facebook or a, a, yeah. a Google will make. And they're, they're like to John's point earlier, they're not um, charities, yeah. So they are, you know, trying to generate a revenue and be a good investment for for the investor. But also, like, there is a nice little warm feeling that mm. comes from, oh, I'm I'm doing a little bit of good. I'm, yeah. I'm but I'm also. From a selfish point of view, my money's working hard, and yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm still going to have reach my retirement goals. Um, and then, on, on we'll say in India, there is um, a company called India Bulls Housing, and they focus on providing mortgages to low or middle income um, people, or maybe irregular income people who otherwise would be locked out of the housing market. So they, um, yeah, they open up um, a new life for people. So it's stuff like that that you just go. Well, these are amazing companies, and there's you know the investment manager is making sure that they're good, solid investments, but they are they're existing to provide these amazing services and have a great outcome on the the people that they work with. And that Indian company has a million customers. Wow! Well, mm. I think that's the, one of the most exciting things about this fund is that um, um, because you know I. I've got I've got a bit of a view. Like you invest, you invest your money and um, um, for an end to achieve a goal. But actually, um, understanding your investment, getting some more information about what you're investing in, sometimes is quite difficult. Eh? And so, um, the stories associated with this fund, I just think, are going to be fantastic. And I think the the way that we communicate those stories to customers, just like you have there, Maraid, I think will be a really impactful. I think that's the advantage of this type of fund. Yes, you're still over the medium to long term going to get a good investment mm. performance. That's what it's trying to do. But those two stories are just awesome, isn't yeah. it? It's, uh, it's very different. And, it, and even, you know, it doesn't just go to emerging markets. There's companies in America, for example, Nuance Communications, um, and they are um, an IT company who invests in healthcare. So their sole purpose is to improve technology within healthcare, um, primarily for um, home 
um, home-based patients or physically challenged patients. Um, and the results of that show that 90% of clinicians who use this technology have found it absolutely beneficial for both themselves, that frees up time for them to spend with patients, um, and also for the patients themselves, that they can maybe communicate better. Yeah, so there's, there's you know, there's hundreds of stories. In, I could listen to you all day, Marie, right? yeah. yeah. stories yeah, about great. it as well. They're just yeah. fantastic. But yeah. even, I, like, I didn't realise how passionate I was about this stuff yeah. until yeah. I started hearing and learning about these stories. And, yeah, it, it was really only when I got into the detail that I was like, oh, this is really good stuff. That's great. And yeah, yeah I want to make my... The thing I love about um, this as well is that we, we've, we've had to start this fund um, because because impact investing is still relatively new, we've had to start this fund investing into international funds. Mm. Um, but there are stories like that in New Zealand and and um, and companies like that in New Zealand. And my passion is that that we you know we get people who are so passionate about this that the fund gets to a point where we actually can start looking into the New Zealand market mm. and actually supporting yeah. some of those efforts. Um, and we're already talking to the companies that are doing that here now. Um, we just simply don't have the money yet and 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 but but you know with the support that we we hope to get for this fund I think that we'd like to be able to make those those differences in New Zealand as well absolutely that's the, that's the plan going forward mm. that we can further diversify as well yeah. so yeah and it's very consistent with the way we offer funds today where they're ASB funds we take responsibility for the investment performance we're doing the asset allocation mm. we're doing the currency management with our with you know, help from our advisors mm. but we're using underlying fund managers who know they're the specialists they know exactly yeah. what they're doing so yeah. it's, it fits very beautifully into the way we way mm. we, way we mm. do it mm. uh, and this fund will then be accessed by asp kiwi saver or asp investment, investment funds and yeah. um, so it'll be a choice that a customer can make to allocate their existing balance or their some of their balance or some of their contributions mm. either to uh, this fund or or any other asb fund so i mean I, we've already we've already seen um, any number of um, people within within asb who who are quite passionate about this what i what i've just been blown away by is you know as we've developed this fund the the support we've got and the excitement we've got from just the staff around us um, as Mairead has been talking about how actually she reacted to the work that she did on this stuff, I think this really does resonate with people. And, and, and uh, you know, just in the first, you know, first few days, we've seen quite a lot of people actually put a little bit of their money or all of their money into this because there is quite a lot of passion. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's almost like a cause people can support. Yeah. Um, and they can do it in a way where... The investment returns are still still positive. It's still good investment returns. Mm. So yeah, I think you made a point about millennials earlier, but mm. you know that there is sort of a, a groundswell of millennials who this is a big focus for mm. them. But I think actually your point was it's much broader than that, isn't yeah, it? It is. It isn't just a millennial thing. It no, is actually, mm. um, particularly in New Zealand, people mm. care and are very passionate about this. And and I think. Uh, um, it doesn't matter how old you are. No. Um, I think this fund will be will will resonate with a lot of people. And it's got it's got the social impact and it's got the environmental impact. So um, it does satisfy oh. a lot of different causes and passions yeah. for people. Oh. Mairead, some of those stories are just absolutely fantastic, um, and they are very focused on sort of the social impact that the fund's going to have. But as uh, was mentioned earlier, this fund has maybe sort of two two. Uh, pillars, I suppose, or two legs to this 
to the stall around one's social and one's environmental. Have you got any sort of um, stats or feedback about actually what sort of environmental impact that this fund has or tries to have? Yeah, well, there's a couple of um, fun facts in there um, about the carbon footprint, which is a popular buzzword at the moment. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the, the Mercer Equity Fund has a 42% lower carbon footprint relative to the wider market. Um, and that is partly because we exclude fossil fuels. But there's also direct investments in there that, that are mindful of, of um, carbon footprint. And then the other fun fact is about um, green revenues. So revenues um, that come from um, environmentally positive impacts, and they are um, 50% higher than the benchmark as well. So they're they're quite yeah. um, big numbers. And, and just being playing sort of uh, uh, using my sort of stupid hat is uh, so carbon footprint, what does that actually mean? So what what we're we're having less impact on the environment through the companies they invest in. They're yeah. using less carbon. Is that is that what we're saying? That's exactly it. Yeah. So um, in terms of you know we, we invest in fewer airlines, for example, who have a high carbon okay. footprint. Yeah. So Marady, so, so we've it obviously is having a um, big impact on uh, the environment. So less carbon, which sounds great, and also that you've already talked about the social impacts of some of the companies. But also, I think it's aligned with the with the UN. Um, yeah. Do you want to explain that a little bit to the listeners? Yeah. So a few years ago, the UN came up with these seventeen sustainable development goals, um, and they've got an uh, that will they aim to achieve over the next number of years, um, and they are um, classified under. F- five different themes and those themes are basic needs and living essentials so such as clean water and sanitation um, human empowerment climate change natural capital and government governance okay so it's obviously uh, the UN have come up with these 17 and actually the fund aligns very closely yeah. to so, those so the investment managers are mindful of these themes and invest in accordance with these okay. themes okay great so mm. it's it, no, this, this fund is not a um, um, it's definitely a fund that is very focused on impact, and as John said, like, like sort of globally leading exclusions was a sort of almost like a twenty year, twenty years ago people would exclude, ago, yeah. you know, and mm. and that's evolved into impact. And I think as uh, as this product develops and we go we move forward, I think we'll start to see more and more of these funds in the market, more and more sort of stories about more the type op- of more opportunities and more it, opportunities yeah. as well, and particularly around Australia and New Zealand, which will be a goal of ours definitely if we can, particularly New Zealand, mm. start to invest in companies in New Zealand who are doing yeah. focusing on impact. I think that would be an awesome experience for mm. for us and, and and for our customers. So we might wrap it up there, guys. So just a big thank you from me. Thanks very much, uh, John and Mairead, for for coming in today. Apologies for the warmth of the of the recording booth. It's it's, um, it's not normally this warm. So um, um, thanks again for that. I think you've really um, explained the the history of the of how we've developed this product, the process we've gone through for the product, and the sort of the excitingness of the of the product, I suppose, and the type of companies that we're the mm-hmm. fund's going to invest in and the impacts it's going to make. So really, thanks very much. Really appreciate the time yeah. and talking yeah. to you today. Thank you for coming. Thanks very much, Jonathan. Now, if you want to find out more about uh, the ASB Positive Impact Fund and how to invest, it's pretty simple. All you've got to do is search Positive Impact Fund on asb.co.nz. Thanks for joining us today on the ASB Investment Podcast. If you have any thoughts on today's episode, or if there's anything you'd like us to discuss on future shows, please fire your suggestions through to podcasts at asb.co.nz. Listener.